0: 925 star Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our healthy living coaches, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, as they engage in energetic exchanges with success experts bringing you research, innovation, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your business and personal navigational skills for ultimate achievement. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The party starts now. Whoa!
1: Party time, party time. Hello, Power Partners. This is the informational playground. We call it Star Style Be the Star You Are. And we come to you with the uh, species of Be the Star You Are charity. We are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to us live. And we're coming to you on the Empowerment Channel of the Voice America Network, our family network, which. We love being on. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity that sponsors this show, and you can find out more information by going to bethestarur.org. Uh, Be The Star You Are right now is working to help the victims of Hurricane Matthew. So make sure to visit Be are.org Make a donation so that we can help as much as possible. This is from Clement Stone. When you discover your mission, you will feel its demand. It will fill you with enthusiasm and a burning desire to get to work on it. and um, That's what I call, you know, when you discover your Purpose. You find your passion. So I like that quote a lot. A, um, a really riveting show is coming your way today. In segment three with dozens of National Book Awards, we have a best-selling author, Roland Alnack, returning. He is the author of The Strange and the Surreal. And he has a, a brand new book called Vessels. It is some really frightening stories to take you to the abyss of human nature for this Halloween season. And I think you're going to enjoy his um, The Meanderings of Roland's mind. So, in segment two, of course, we're going to just talk about some healing in the garden. How you can create your own inspiration and incorporate simple elements to dream, awaken, and and heal. So, that will be segment two, a free wellness program designed by Mother Nature. But right now, something that I think is just so fascinating, and it is talking about children and babies and how we are having our babies. And in Health Matters, Heather Brittany is going to bring all of this to us. And talking about the science that's out there in determining whether you have a girl or a boy, how tall, whether it's an engineer, et cetera. I mean, I'm fascinated by this work, Heather. Does it seem like sci-fi to you? It kind of seems like sci-fi to me. Well, it's so, you know, the interesting thing about this is that
2: um, genetic testing is nothing new, and it's been around, what, since the 1960s and the 1980s, and it's really, we're not at that way quite yet where we can say, you know, this one, she's going to be, you know, blonde, and and we're not quite there, but eventually we could, Um, and of course, you know, there's so many views for that, but as of right now, what these things are used for is for or potentially genetic disorders and you probably when you were pregnant with me did early on testing or even they do ultrasounds which are non-invasive but sometimes when we they think they detect something in that that that's when they need to go further with more testing and sometimes as you know that um, there can be risks. for the most part 99% of these tests are accurate and there aren't things but they do say that there is a potential chance that one in a thousand could potentially lead to a miscarriage, and to think that if you were to put your uh, child at risk, um, or there not to be anything wrong, there's also that thing of living with, oh my goodness, I did this just to find out, so as of right now, these tests are only to find out if there are certain issues, but they've just recently, um, they've kind of developed these new testings that are not as invasive. Um, They, kind of the information's yet out on the full effectiveness of it, um, but it's also just showing that there's more information that we can probably detect in it so that we eventually are leading to those things, that it could be, uh, male, female, red hair, uh, blonde hair, and we already know that in certain countries already, that especially in China, where um, they have a birth limit law, and I think just recently, I think I want to say this past year, so I think it was, it was now they lifted. are allowed to have I two think, children. Yeah, I think they can and have two, it's two kind babies of, and, and they've seen now, because it's led to this thing of this um, imbalance of males and females, and Um, And then people also say, too, that in other countries, as you know, no one wants to be um, faced with that horrible decision of, you know, if you do these genetic testings and they tell you, you know, your child has... Um, Down syndrome. Your child is going to have a horrible um, disfigurement. And when they tell you these things, uh, with this early stages, that allows people, you know, if they want to choose to continue of knowing that they're going to have this very hard life ahead, not only for themselves, but for this child, um, or if they want to terminate. And I 100% support anyone's uh, choice in that, and that's why choice should be allowed. Um, with these things 100%. Um, but that is, unfortunately, that isn't the case in all states, and that leads to with so many things, the states and the federal views of termination. And um, But I, I personally just think that should not. I mean, of course, coming from someone working for Planned Parenthood, um, I don't think that should be in uh, the hands of the voters or of the government. That should be between... Um, someone and their doctor that's your own uh, personal health things. I agree, but, I agree. But the thing with it, as you said, with sci-fi, I think well, the crazy thing with our society is we really are this self-fulfilling uh, prophecy kind of society that we make up, we, we create these amazing things in Hollywood. A long time we talk about, we write these books, we say, and we think of just Back to the Future. We create these things that seem out of this world, imaginable. That would be crazy having a TV that you could see thousands of channels on, or having a some uh, a board that could fly, or having these phones you would carry. These things we create, and almost because we think, God, that looks so cool. We go into that thing of of now now scientists that we start investing money uh, because we think things are so cool, we are fascinating or fascinated people. And thus, you know, these things come to be true. I mean, just think of computers. Just in the last hundred years, I think the last twenty years, now it is a technology technology war. And the same thing goes with science. I mean, to think we've talked on other shows of how people used to die from a simple rose cut that you could get infected with exactly, that. Exactly, because infections, you, you know, they know? And, and, they you know happened the accident, the common, and changed everything. Yeah, it's so and now you know those things that now cancer there's so many things that are becoming eliminated now. So um kind of this big moral debate that people feel is uh well, you know that we're going to start creating you know these babies exactly how you want to. Um but think of it if they were to tell you um, you could remove cancer. This, ba- your your baby will not have cancer. Your baby will be able to see better. I think we always and the, and the great thing about information and, and the terrible thing is it. It is so powerful to have it. It's up to you what you want to do with it. You have the the thing to believe, um, yes, in uh, you know, in science. In uh, and then there's people who choose not to believe in science and think other things of it. Um, well, you know it what exists.
1: scares we me with this continue, whole thing. Yeah, you know, we just continue. what. Well, I was going to say what scares me, kind of, with this whole thing and the reading that I've been doing is that. We really are getting close to the point, and in some areas of science, they say we're already there, that we can, that people actually can go in and look through books of sperm, sperm donors, you know, and they can find out, let's just say, you know, they can find out if they're an athlete, um, if they want their child's eyes to be blue or yeah, blonde well, or I mean, whatever, so you know. Th- What's
2: been happening? That what? With that is, you know, the yes and the no in it of. Of course, we think, I mean, think of this of our just society and um, adaptations as humans, how we talk about things, of how we've changed. That originally we were nomads. We were people who traveled around and we were hunters and gatherers. And then we started to evolve and we became, we realized it's much more efficient to be farmers, to settle down, to build a community. So our skills changed. And then once we became farmers, then we became scholars. Then you know it's we continuously grow, and now you know now to think of these humble beginnings of what our societies become now, and the, with the technology and the science. And well, one part is very is scary, is get, I
1: think if we get to that point in technology with our babies, that we literally can decide which you know what they're going to look like. How they're going to act in the world? I mean, I can't imagine that somebody is going to decide that they want, you know, uh, an an ugly an ugly child with disabilities. Or do you know what I mean? I can't imagine. I hate to think event. that we're going to have I mean, Stepford wives. Uh, that yeah, we're going to have well, a community well, have of to, everybody's you know, going think, to be excelling. That sounds scary. I think, well, I think I think the thing that sounds scary is change is scary
2: and especially at a rapid pace and it sounds everything oh my goodness but you have to think too of in order to create these things where are these people coming from is it that these creatures are these babies going to have nothing that were any portion of you and also to say that it, this won't be around in our time if it ever gets to if it ever gets to that to that point but I think if Uh, from a science view of saying if we are to say right now I mean we already do these testings to say that you know this is not that uh, to rule out if our children have Down syndrome if our children have other kind of you know horrible life changing altering you know something that would not give them a fulfilling life it also leads to that if, if now we could test and they say what is it, something like one in 70 uh, children now are born with autism? I mean, would that now, if, if they can start to rule that, and that those are the things that we're getting closer to. Not quite as, you know, will this one be a gorgeous and will be a model, but are there more genetic things? And a big fear uh, that people say, well, oh, this will lead, you know, to more terminations, but also I think there's, I mean, really you want, again, the fulfillment of life. And some people knowingly, you know, when they get testing early on, they find out that there is something wrong. They choose to go forward. And I support that just as much. I think that that's everyone's you know this is such what a what a difficult uh, and exciting time in in someone's life and you know to each to each their own with it um, I think there is the potential with all things good that things could potentially lead to bad um, but I think as right now at this stage is that it is really I was seeking the positive things it's, but again how how far would he go but as you said I mean if you were left to it wouldn't you I mean think about it, wouldn't you want uh, of course, you want your child to be um, really good in academics and really smart. Um, I don't know what that would lead in the world of if we were all the same, but somehow, you know, there have to be some some genetic change. Um, but I guess that really is why it is still science fiction in the way, because there is there is the unknown as of right now, that you really yeah, can I, predict. Yeah, anything I think,
1: so. yeah, it is the unknown, and I suppose that is true, is that, you know, time will only tell what will happen. But it's like you said earlier, I can, I can imagine that if we get to a point that we can actually walk into a room and, you know, have these designer babies, that people are going to want them to be, you know, president of the United States or NASA astronauts or supermodels just like you said and okay, nobody's going to say oh i want my i don't you. want my child to be you know the well, a, a janitor well, or a ditch to, digger or or anything like that you know what i mean and, and all those jobs are important
2: what you have to consider too is that if this is coming from yourself, that this is your own pregnancy. So you know, for example, if you know, if you, uh, my husband is uh, nearly a foot taller than me, and I pray when we have children, I hope they get his height and not mine. Um, and so, what they're starting to see if they are able to, as as in science, as, as we begin to understand more and more. Um, there might be certain genes that are responsible for the height gene, and so we at very early testing that's non-invasive to your own pregnancy. So it isn't as going in and selecting. It's that you have sort of already harvested this baby, and that now we're doing this testing. Um, what you know, so now they can look and say, all right, it, we can see that uh, there is uh, gene seven 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 two one one or something, which has been shown to be a height one. Um, and then we see that there's all these other ones, that that's how they can sort of do this natural selection with things.
1: But also, um, are, but isn't it available even now for people... Who are not going to do the baby route? Uh, well, now, now I now it's go to and that. order a baby. Well, now you go in, and
2: the thing is, always you kind of have to, to think of. Have you ever seen someone who is just uh, drop dead gorgeous and so successful? But do you see their parents, and their parents maybe are not as attractive? And you kind of think, how did they Absolutely. have that? You know. Yeah. Um, so it is sort of, you know, that uh, two beautiful people or two intelligent people can have um, someone who is not. I think there's a lot of nurture and nature and what we do and become. But, yes, hypothetically, I mean, right now um, for people who are doing surrogates or, um, or getting you know sperm donors, uh, right now yes you can go in and you can look and see uh, Todd was a doctor and went to Yale and saves dolphins and children throughout the world and he's five ten and yes and so we think that is fantastic so in um, that way yes you can choose that person but just because all of those things does not necessarily mean that your child is one hundred percent I mean that, you, you have that, is of that
1: is those true that is true well things. I really I love the. I love the idea of the. There's going to be uh, more help for for babies, you know, and more choices that we can make. Yes. But it's it is getting to be a complicated um, a complicated world. <laughs> that's for sure. But I think it will be kind of exciting when all of these come to fruition. It'll be interesting to see the choices that people make.
2: Yeah. And yeah. again, I think I think what people, what's the biggest thing whenever people say, they talk about when they are pregnant or they are gay, all they say is, all I want is a baby to be happy and healthy. And as we know, nowadays, you know, when they, the, the counting of right, the toes and the fingers, that's done early on. And so, I mean, we do these tests. I know whenever I, if ever down that road, I want to do all the prenatal things because I want to know, you know, these these things, if any, especially if you can do this at a earlier stage of knowing what the condition is going on because I think it's already hard to be a parent and just to be a a normal, healthy I I don't want to say normal, just to be a person to also come into this world with already so many things against you and I think again, just of having healthy, our health is all we have and we want to start that right from the beginning so I think it's fantastic what's moving forward. I think it's, it's, uh, it's hard to wrap our Minds around because it's it is does have that very sci-fi Gattaca feel of of yes, almost kind of creating this AI and you know uh, artificial intelligence. But um, I don't feel that we are at that quite the machine level yet, but uh, we'll see.
1: <laughs> Getting there soon. Well, great segment. very fascinating. So go ahead and give out the websites. Most definitely. We want you to go to the websites. Go to be the org as well as
2: starstyleradio.com.
1: And this will be a good intro when Roland comes on. So stay with us. I'll, we'll be coming right back after the break. We're going to do a little bit in the garden. And then Roland all will be with us with Vessels. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. Be with you in a sec.
3: Star you
4: are, Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is
1: calling out. Carl Jung said, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. So, I want to awaken all of us through possibly creating a healing garden. You know, we celebrate joyous occasions such as weddings, childbirths, and career moves with flowers. And in sadder times, or with the death of a loved one, we have plants and bouquets that offer hope and meet challenges. Now, since the beginning of time, nature has been that secret weapon of humans to combat dis ease. And that's a, like disease, but DIS. Hyphen ease from the ancient Chinese with their medicinal herbs to the Greeks and Romans with their gardens that were set amongst mineral pools. Green has always been a sacred color. The Quakers in colonial America believed that gardens were a place of creativity and relaxation for the body, mind and spirit. I happen to agree with that at Philadelphia's friends hospital in 1879. A program to use plants as therapy was established after a physician noticed that his psychiatric patients who worked in the fields were calmers. So what did it say? It said that gardens were curative. If you're just joining me, this is Star Style Be The Star You Are. You are listening to me, Cynthia Bryan, live on the Voice America Network, and uh, we are talking about awakening in a garden. So if you are feeling burned out from like all the emails that you get in your inbox and you need just a really quick boost of energy, all you got to do is take a walk in nature. Go outside. Scientific studies now back up what gardeners have known forever, that spending time outdoors is therapeutic. Now, since the 1980s, the Forest Agency of Japan has been encouraging citizens to indulge in what is called forest bathing, or shinrin yoku and this helps to release uh, to release stress and to increase your feelings of well-being. Researchers at the Nippon Medical School in Tokyo believe that technological distractions, city noises, pollution, crowding lead to great anxiety and it leads to ill health. Whereas a quiet atmosphere, aromatic smells, fresh clean air and beautiful surroundings of nature provide relief for heart disease, cancer, anxiety, depression, attention deficit, and many other disorders. A University of Michigan study discovered that individuals improved their short-term memory by 20% after a walk in nature. But those who walked on a city street had absolutely zero improvement. Now that's kind of really startling and also exciting to know that nature is a great healer. Now, it's Indian summer. It, you know, it sometimes can have very high daytime temperatures. Um, but when the evenings are temperate, it's perfect time for a stroll. And any time of the year, no matter if it's raining outside, it's great to go outside. Uh, when it was raining here, that kind of, even if it's cold, I just love to get soaked in the rain. There's something about the water. I'm a water being. So I really like having all that water pounding on me. I end up looking like a wet rat, but it's okay if I'm out in nature. I feel like I can, you know, go pick the apples or go plant something. The medicine of nature awakens our five senses. It allows us to decompress. And by bringing the natural world into your indoor environment, it is also a critical sign for good health. Now, how can you create your own garden of healing and inspiration I want to just share a few things that you could incorporate. Uh, They're really simple elements to dream, awaken, and to heal. First of all, make the choice for clean, healthy living. We have the ability to grow our own food, no matter how small our living space. For indoor gardening, experiment with grow lights or with hydroponic measures. You can plant an herb garden that's easily accessible to your kitchen. And not only do herbs flavor food, but herbs are healers. Their natural medicine can be used to increase energy, fight colds, relieve pain, quiet the mind. Herbs can be grown on windowsills. Lavender will help you sleep. Peppermint curbs your appetite. Rosemary increases cognitive skills. Chamomile soothes your tummy upset. And basil can be used as a disinfectant. Encourage your children to join in garden activities that relate to healthy eating. Gardening lures children away from a sedentary lifestyle while they're learning about biology and nutrition. If they plant it, pick it, and plate it, you can be sure that they are going to eat it. So you definitely want to get your kids involved in gardening. Minimize the harmful effects of UV rays by enjoying the shade of a tree. According to the University of Purdue, sitting under the umbrella of a tree is the equivalent of slathering yourself with SPF 10. So make sure that your property has a tree or two as sun protectors. And if you're living in an apartment, uh, choose apartments that have a tree or two that you can enjoy. Now bring plants to your office to create a healthier and happier workspace. Plants have been proven to produce productivity and besides that increase in the productivity, they also clean the air. Create boundaries and define personal spaces with plants and hedges. We all need downtime to rejuvenate. To maximize a small space, grow low-maintenance, compact blueberry bushes, for example, and add some multiple herbs and leafy greens and put them all in one large container for a continuous harvest. Now, as a bonus, you can put basil, thyme, sage, rosemary, chives, lavender, lemon balm, mint, and other fragrant herbs. And besides all of these being good as far as uh, as uh, as being medicinal for you and flavoring your food, they also repel insects. So clean, healthy gardening means no pesticides, no insecticides, no synthetic fertilizers, nor GMO seeds. We wanna ensure the health of people, pets, and our planet. You can take a class or workshop to help you grow your knowledge about living in nature. Now encourage lizards to come into your garden. And also bats. The western fence lizard carries a protein that destroys the Borrelia bacteria, and that is a bacteria that resides in the stomachs of ticks that carry Lyme disease. Now, bats eat 6,000 to 8,000 mosquitoes nightly. Other pluses are that lizards eat lots of unwanted garden insects, and bats are considered pollinators. So, as much as, you know, we might be fearful of lizards and bats, just know that they are really good for our gardens and for us. Install a water feature. Moving water contains high levels of negative ions, and these negative ions are thought to reduce depression and other anxiety disorders. Again, being around water is calming. Grow plants that make you happy. If you like lots of color, consider annuals like zinnias and sunflowers. And if you like blooming shrubs, try hydrangeas, azaleas, rhododendrons. These are all winning choices. Include a place to sit and a place to retreat in a private place. Maybe install a hammock and you can rock your way to enjoy the beauty beneath the trees. Or, you know, even a rocking chair somewhere. Everybody needs downtime, so always have a place in nature that you can sit and just contemplate. Add a focal point for healing. It could be a sculpture, a rock, or a fountain. Stimulate all the senses with scented plants along a walkway for smell, a wind chime under an awning to listen to, leaves to taste, textual plants to feel, and birds to watch. Again, you want to engage all of your senses. Attract the pollinators, the birds, the bees, the butterflies, the bats, and other insects for the remedial energy. Hang feeders, houses, and water sources. And, of course, add nectar-supplying plants. That would include echinacea, butterfly bush, salvias, dill, and parsley. Apples. Eat an apple a day, hopefully one from your own tree. Apples are a superfood. They're filled with fiber, antioxidants, and flavonoids, and research has suggested prevention or improvement from numerous conditions including diabetes, stroke, dementia, obesity, cancer, and heart disease. If you lived near me right now, I would be bringing you apples as a gift. My tree is so filled, and my apples are so delicious. I have been eating like three or four apples right off the tree every day. Then I've been having apples in my salads with goat cheese. I've been doing baked apples. I've been making applesauce. Um, I've been really having a lot of fun with apples, and of course, I'm giving a lot of apples away. But eat an apple a day. There is a reason why there's that saying, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Save the seeds of your best producing flowers and herbs. Drying them and storing them in a dark, cool place is the easiest way. Although with tomatoes and some other juicy specimens, what you're going to have to do is access a specialized information for seed uh, preservation, which usually involves straining something. And a lot of times um, you have to ferment the seeds before that you're going to be able to use them. Now, you can prune heart risk by lowering blood pressure and cholesterol and grow bones with 30 minutes exercising and weight training in your backyard. You're going to clip calories with the pruning, the weeding, the lifting, the mowing, the blowing, and the planting. And finally, no matter how busy your everyday life is, do some of the garden work yourself. People tend to hire outside help for everything these days because we're all so very busy and most of us are very busy doing something technologically speaking or working on our computers. But if you really want to indulge in the free wellness program designed by Mother Nature, it's in your best interest to get out there and dig deeply. Now take a cue from Ralph Waldo Emerson. When he said, when I go into my garden with a spade and dig a bed, I feel such an exhilaration and health that I discover that I have been defrauding myself all this time and letting others do for me what I should have been doing with my own hands. Now, don't go away because when we come back from break, Roland Alnuck will be with us with his newest book, Vessels, and you will find it engaging, frightening, disturbing, and really compelling. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. The Amalti Award-winning author of The Strange and Surreal joins us in just a moment. Be the star
3: you are. The star you are.
4: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
3: Be the star you are. The star you
0: are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over 225 billion dollars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376-376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org Dare to care Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's Power Time on Star Style. Be the star you are. With your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryant. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is called.
1: Well, we are having a party today, and our special guest at the party, where you are also invited, is Roland Alnack. As I said, he's a multi award winning author of the strange and and surreal, as well as a couple of uh, non, well, one was a dystopian science fiction novel, and then a wonderful nonfiction book, The Writer's Primer, that we spoke with him a few months ago. But here he is now with his newest book, Oddities and Entities 2, Vessels. It's the sixth book in six years. Welcome, Roland, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are.
5: Oh, thank you, Cynthia. I'm always happy to be here. Thank
1: you for having me on. I'm always excited to talk to you because I find you just such a fascinating personality. Because you write with absolutely the most precision, and your words are—I've said this many times—they're almost poetic. You—you have an absolute flair of being able to put words together, even when you're writing about things that are just terrible to read about. (laughs) I'm compelled to continue writing, to continue reading because of your, your masterful way of uh, being a storyteller. You're a real, really an amazing storyteller. But before we get to your writing, I want to start with your cover because um, this is a very different cover than what you've done before in vessels. And I was reading that this is actually something you did in high school. And then you just, when you looked at it, you realized how perfect it would be. Give us a backstory on that.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it is an interesting story, and thank you so much for for all the compliments. It really uh, means a tremendous amount. Um, The the cover is is one of those things where, um, you know, I I like to say that that patience is a a big part of being an author. And when I was in high school, I was very much into art. I hadn't really gotten into writing yet. And uh, I was taking an art class, and I had to do a project with watercolor. And I wasn't really a big fan of watercolors. I was more for acrylics, but this was a bit of an abstract project where you could play with the colors and then draw in any shapes you saw, kind of like when you watch static on a TV screen. So I I did this project and I picked my color palette, let the colors run into each other. And then when they dried, I went back with pen and ink and drew in the the outlines that you see on the cover. And uh, my imagination being what it is, (laughs) uh, the the things I drew in, you know, were kind of odd. And when I was done and I looked at it, I thought, you know, for a, a project that I wasn't all that interested in to begin with, the final product now really kind of struck me, and at that point I had just sort of finished writing my, my first short story, and looking at that that painting, I thought, you know, someday, someday, this is going to be a, a cover of, of a book. That would be that would be a real dream come true. That so I held really on to the painting. Made the
1: dream come true.
5: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, I held on to the painting for all these years, and when I was going through the process of writing Vessels and, and putting it all together, I had a few ideas for the cover in mind, but, you know, I, I came back to, like, this this is the book, it's calling out for for this painting, and I thought, it's, it's kind of anything, because... It's moving forward to something new with a new book, but at the same time, I feel like I'm getting to bring some of my my old creative roots in with with the painting on the cover. So, and, and people seem to be responding very well to it. So it's it's a wonderfully flattering thing to to hear. <laughs>
1: it is. I mean, I I just I really like it. The thought that you actually had envisioned this, even though you didn't know it was going to be a book, you were thinking a book and when you were just a teen. But let's talk about the the weirdness because you have said that you um, you like to write about weird characters and that you th- always thought you yourself were a little weird. Well, when you look at the cover of this, the characters that you drew as a high school student, those are kind of scary characters. You know, they're and it's they're interesting because you don't know what they don't really have faces. They have a little bit. You, you don't know what they're thinking. So. You worked twenty years in a hospital. What kind of hospital did you work in? What department did you do is How did you kind of develop more of the weird thinking there
5: well i I've worked in a community hospital and I've worked a night shift. I work in a lab so uh, when I started there, I was taking turns going up to the emergency room and you know participating in the patient care up there a little bit you know as, as to our extent for for lab purposes but uh, I, I did see a lot of odd things rolling through the door there, and uh, you know, working at night, seeing these things coming through the door in the hospital—it, it, a, a lot of things in my life—I've, I felt like you know I'm a little bit outside the norm, <laughs> whether it was what my imagination was whispering in the back of my head or what I was seeing in front of me or. You know, like my my lifestyle—working at night and sleeping during the day—and you know, kind of running counter current to the way the rest of the world. So, it's hard to really pick any one of these things and you know, put a finger on it and say, "Aha!" That's that's like the real creative element there. It's kind of everything together, and I think anybody who really gets engaged in any kind of creative pursuit will, will probably say that there are a lot of things that come together to really shape and, and guide where their thoughts are going to go when they, they start to sit and think whether it's going to be a painting or writing or a movie or sculpting, whatever it may be. Uh, there's a lot of different forces that, that come together subconsciously and consciously to to help shape where those things are going to go. You know, a, a big part of the creative process, at least in my experience and from when I talk to other people, it seems to to resonate with them as well is a lot of it is subconscious. You know, a lot of these things that have been layered in your mind and that kind of sleep in the background there, they kind of help shape where your your now conscious creativity is, is going to take it from there. So you may get an idea that kind of feels like it, it dropped out of the sky on you, but now consciously it's a serious responsibility to say, okay, well, what am I going to do with it and how can I move forward? So when I write, I like to some of these ideas and my my real process is just keep asking myself why why you know why where where is this going and, and push it and push it and push it and see how far i can take the thought process before it starts to feel like it's breaking down and then i feel like okay so that's the limit so shy of that limit is where i'm going to write my story and i know i can go to that point but not past it because at the end of the day you know, narrative discipline has to settle in and writing discipline has to settle in and, you know, make this a functioning narrative because otherwise uh, readers really won't embrace it. They won't feel associated with it. They won't
1: engage it. with it.
5: Right. They, they won't have that empathy for the characters. And if you can't generate that as an author, you, you're really not going to bring your readers into the story. So. As much as there's the sort of ethereal, imaginative part, there's the very nuts and bolts, uh, mechanical part of the the writing process, and bringing those two together is you know what what really drives me because it, it's a challenge and it, it's not something that always works out. You know, there's stories that people write that they they don't publish. I've I've certainly experienced that myself. But those two, I look at as okay, that's that's a learning exercise. So. I can look at it afterwards and say, all right, you know, why did this work? Why did that not work? And put those lessons to the next story.
1: Well, so, I'm just going to say, and you never know, you may end up down the line using that story or elements of the story that yes. you discarded in the first place. For those of you who are just tuning in, we are speaking with multi-award winning author Roland Allneck. His newest book is Vessels. His website is com, and his last name is spelled A L L N A. CH. Well, you have said that you really went to the dark side with vessels or darker than what you've done before. It's like kind of a kind of like falling down the rabbit hole. And you had to edit yourself and pull back in certain areas because it was going too far. And I have to say, when I was reading it, I was going, oh, my God. And, you know, I mean, I actually had nightmares after reading at night. And I realized, okay, I have to just read this during the day. I can't read it at nighttime.
5: Well, uh, I I apologize for the nightmares. But at the same time, well, you know, (laughs) the stories. No, but that,
1: I mean, that was what my question is going to be. That is your goal, is to have your characters be so real and so memorable that um, they haunt the person, they haunt the reader. Is Am I correct there? Because at least that's how I felt, is even though if I, I didn't want to remember the character, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just even thinking about your first story now, and I don't want to give anything away, but just, you know, the excitement that somebody feels in, in strapping somebody to a car, into a seat, and letting them be one of those, those dummies. Yeah, you know, that right,
5: like, <laughs> what?
1: Where did you come up with that? <laughs> or, or feeding your belly button a hot dog because your mother is, uh, you know? <laughs> <That> <laughs> He's whispering like,
5: to you, yes. <laughs> was, uh,
1: okay, so tell us more.
5: Yeah, it, and and again, it's it's sort of that that process of of asking why and why and and like I said, you know, my my imagination kind of comes up with some odd things, and uh, I don't always know where they come from, but I, I kind of feel sometimes like you know why why does there have to be a, a limit with something when you you start thinking of well, how could things be different, and you know, in, in terms of translating that to character, these to me, you know, as as an author, portraying my characters is what really makes the stories work for me. So when I, I really get into the sense of a character and that character is invested in the story, I feel like now I really have something that's going to work. But understanding my character and knowing the, the fundamental idea of the story where I want to go with it, when I start putting those two together, you know, the, the, the door is kind of open and the more I think about how my character is going to be shaped kind of fosters, okay, the next why question. So, uh,
4: So, tell me when about I, your,
1: I, your relationship, Roland, to your characters. Once you... Your characters are very, very well developed. Uh, no matter whether they're good, bad, sinister, or whatever. They're incredibly um, memorable characters. You, you know, you just... They're strange, but they could be like a normal person you see, and then they turn out to be something completely different. What's your relationship to your characters once they have kind of revealed themselves to you? Are you ever frightened of the characters that you've created?
5: Uh, Some of them are uh, disturbing, I'll I'll say that. And sometimes when I'm writing them, uh, with this book in particular, I found they were, taking me to some places that I, I really didn't expect to go but um, and that, that may sound a little odd because they're characters they're things that I've constructed in my mind but to me they, they feel like real people and mm-hmm. as long as where the story is going is is real for the characters I feel like this is this is still real story material, and it, it's still valid, no matter how strange or bizarre or creepy or whimsical, whichever adjective of the moment fits, it, it may be. But as as long as I have that connection with my character, um, being inside them or having them inside me, which whichever perspective you'd, you'd like to take on that, um, it, it kind of makes it more immediate and insulates a little bit. Because in, in crafting the story, I understand that it, it has to work for my character. And as long as my character is trying to make sense of things and trying to get through it, it's not so much that things are happening to them, but they are integral to the situation itself. So, Do you ever sort of- find
1: yourself, uh, when a character is really developing, you know, within you or you within it, however it's going, that you actually fight it and say, no, no, that's not where I want you to go. (laughs) You know, that's not what I want to do. Do you ever feel that way? Or does it just...
5: there are times when I'm first putting the the rough outline of a story idea together where I think, oh, and then this will happen and that'll happen. But then once I settle into character and start writing the story, I think, no, my character would not do that. And then, you know, I'll I'll stop and I'll readjust how things progress and I always want it to be, uh, you know, relative to what the character would do because that's, makes the character integral to the story and vice versa, because otherwise the narrative structure will, will start to break down. But um, yeah, it, it's it's really just getting into that, that groove and almost I, when I write these things I, I kinda feel like I'm just doing a service to the character. It's almost like they're telling me their story and I'm just the conduit to to writing.
1: You're the vessel. Yeah,
5: <laughs> well, I'm a vessel myself. Yeah. You're a anyway. vessel.
1: all oh, exactly. This is Roland Allnacht, and his book is Oddities and Entities Two. It's vessels, and there are Ten short stories in this new book, and some of them are chilling. They're surprising. They're thrilling. They're haunting. They're frightening. They're disturbing. There's there's a million words. They're sinister. They're perverse. They're weird. <laughs> they're dystopian. I mean, there's so many things. There's you have so many elements. But again, I just can't uh, can't say enough about the way that you craft your narrative, your style is compelling, your, your style is just so brilliant that no matter whether um, a person is a fan of this kind of, uh, of story, you can't help but be engaged and enthralled with your writing style, I, I just think, is it, do you think that the way that you write comes from um, the way that you read, because I know that you are an avid reader and you really have a lot of inspirations.
5: Yes, and and again, thank you very much. Uh, it, it's you know sometimes when I when I talk to people about my writing, they they see what it's about and they're a little surprised when I tell them the kind of things that really kind of you know inspired me and. and shaped me as a writer. And it's really classical literature, a lot of Tolstoy and Homer and Shakespeare and hey, you know a lot of things that people may not really associate with these kinds of stories that I write. But to me, that those were really fundamental things, you know, t- to learn, because I read those things and I thought, you know, these people knew how to shape characters. I mean, look at these people, they're hundreds, you know. Of years removed from when they were written, and they still feel and, like they 're in the room with you and that right. that so kind perfect. of development and that kind of use of language, I feel you know, I want those things in my writing I, I want it to have an artistry to itself besides just what the story can give and you know again, the things I love to read, I feel like just if you forget the story and everything else, just reading the way the words were put together, the way some of these classical authors have crafted the language
1: and that's it's what i'm really talking about inspiring. with you i i see this in you the way that you craft the language you have such a um a master's hand with crafting a language tell me something when you say um about liking to read who is your target audience for this kind of book oddities and entities too for vessels who are the people that are reading this book where where are they coming from you have any idea or who did you write for well,
5: I try to target uh people who are similar to me so they're people who like to read obviously but yes. they're, they're people who have an open mind they um, they are people who are willing to to take a ride with the story and you know, just just let it take them where it's going to go. Who aren't going to come in with too many uh, preconceptions, where they they might just say, "Well, uh, that's that can't happen. That that's not real," or you know, I, "I'm not going to buy that idea." And I, I think that's why the you know the character development is so important because it it helps get past those barriers.
1: But, right. Right.
5: Yeah. Certainly, a, a reader who's you know enjoys to read has some reading background, so that they they can. Uh, you know, really appreciate some of the the elements I, I put effort to to put into the writing itself, but we also have an open mind, and they're 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 willing to to get into something different. You know, people who like the Twilight Zone or. People who like Stephen King i have been compared to Stephen King a couple of times, which is, you know, very flattering. But, right, uh, you right. know, people well, who the are willing same, to go yeah, that's there.
1: kind it's, of the same good. genre. And we only have a few minutes left, Roland. We always talk talk when we're together. But I, I just wanted to also just throw out... Um, the Writer's Primer, which is just a wonderful book of advice that you put together for people who want to write a book, and it's just so obvious that you really have command of that knowledge in six short years. And so, what I think is so um, so compelling is the fact that you wanted—you never really thought you would be an author, but you decided to do it. You did it, and you do it. So well, and with the writer's primer, you're helping other people to do it um, too. And now you have your sixth book with Vessels. So again, congratulations! Thank six you books much. in six years—that's really quite um, quite an accomplishment. And uh, his other books are Prism, Remnant, uh, of course, Oddities and Entities Two. Uh, the digital now which is a full-length dystopian science fiction novel we haven't discussed that yet on the show we'll have to do it and yeah. uh, of course your uh, speculative fiction which was oddities and entities I think you like writing anthologies right would I be correct in that because um, it's it's that they they really are able to bring you to a new place
5: yeah i'm I'm very comfortable writing in in shorter forms I love writing boats but I feel with short stories there's an immediacy to them, mm-hmm. and putting them together in these collections allows me to have stories that, you know, each stand on their own, but I get to work past the stories with themes that I kind of subtly chime along in the background. So even though they're different stories, the, the book gets to build, and it, it's uh, quite a different journey than reading a, a single-piece novel, but uh, I think because it's different, it, it there's a lot more for uh, for readers to engage in and, and to explore, and it, it's just a different reading experience. And different well, people, are a really,
1: people get to go on kind of a creepy adventure through the mind and through humanity, another look, but with characters that are incredibly, incredibly um well, I'm going to use that word compelling again. I mean, you just can't help but think about these characters long after, after you've turned the page. So pick up a copy of Vessels. Check out Roland Allneck's website. He's got a great website, RolandAlnac.com. It's R-O-L-A-N-D-A-L-L-N-A-C-H. And um, you will really be able to go on the ride of a lifetime Congratulations again, Roland, for all the awards that you have won, and I know this you're just going to have an amazing career. You and Stephen King will be uh, big buddies soon here. There's no doubt about it.
5: Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for coming on Star Style. The newest book is Vessels, and you can check out his other books at his website. They're available at all the online stores. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the Star You Are. To make a donation to the charity, go to org. Remember that. Love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star that you are. And until next week, make it a great one. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. And we'll be together next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And check out Vessels, Roland Allnack's newest book. Thanks, Roland, for being on the show. Be the
3: star you star you are be the star you are you are the star be the keep, star
0: you are. keep it's been a pleasure bringing you our life changing program star style be, be the star, star you are we have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform, entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be For more information, visit www.StarStyleRadio.com And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.BeTheStarYouAre.org Ignite the flame that burns brightly within